Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen. We are thrilled to join you on 610 ESPN, ready to help you move into the weekend talking about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff, yes. fun time of year. Eagles training camp open. Phillies in first place. Too early for football. It's never too early it, for when football. When it's sweltering hot outside, it's too early for football. It's too early for me to be outside playing football, but it's never <laughs> too early for football. But then again, it's too early for me to be outside doing anything. But in this we we got days. lots of baseball still, so we do, and we've got a team that's in first place right now. We got a couple if you're going to count the minor league team. That's too, right. But the major league team is two and a half up, and if somebody would have told you going into the last week of July, the Phillies would be up by that much. And way ahead of the Nationals. I'd take it. You'd, the somebody Nationals. Would, somebody would ask you what you were on. The Nationals who may be about to sell. <laughs> Can you imagine if they just start selling off pieces? <sighs> I mean, if I were could, them, I would, I would, I would trade a Harper. Franchise. Would you trade Harper now? Yes, I would. Yeah. So, But the question is, what does a team give for Harper who, other than his home run derby spectacular showing, hasn't really had the season you're hoping for? I mean, I don't know if that damages his long-term value, but in terms of this season's trade value, look if I'm if I'm if I'm the Nationals general manager, the piece is the piece that's going to get me the most is Bryce Harper. No, 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 no. Well, Scherzer, yeah. but you're not. Are you trading Scherzer? <laughs> Max Scherzer. You can't trade Scherzer. Max Scherzer. He's older. He's in his 30s, right? And if they think that they're ready for a rebuild, he's the guy because you can get a ton for him and he could have the same impact that Justin Verlander had. Well, on, let's give on a rundown of what we going on. Maybe we'll ask Pedro Gomez about that because at 410 we're going to have ESPN MLB reporter Pedro Gomez joining us to talk about state of baseball a little bit more uh, during our next uh, segment with the Phillies minor league rundown. Uh, we're going to let you all hear the joy of uh, 610 board op extraordinaire Ryan Lennox, uh, as they said, spiking the ball on his first throw out at Reading. Jeff, your reaction? You, you, you should never want to throw out a first pitch. I, that's and why. That's I, always been. It, it is amazing how people, and by the way, you're not, you, I don't want to spoil the whole thing, even though you just said what happened. It's okay. It's a, they, it, you could tell it, them. You could show them video, and you could still listen oh, to it Oh, we have that, too. But. Yeah. But but it, it is amazing the pressure that people put on themselves to throw it, and you're not even doing it from the mound. They put you in front of the mound. Well, we're, we're going to get to that <laughs> a little later, and then we're going to have an interview with uh, first baseman in the Reading uh, uh, part of the system, Austin Listy. Yep. Uh, that was a fun interview with him, so we'll have that a little later. Let's start with uh, the Eagles are in training camp, and Carson Wentz is on the field. All kinds of back and forth this week. Is it going to be on the physically unable to perform list, blah, blah, blah. He's out doing 11-on-11 11 11 drills. It's That's a pretty good sign. I was pretty surprised to mm -hmm. see him out there. Um, do you get excited when training camp opens? No. No, the, you're mm -hmm. not into... No. You know, you don't, I know you're not it's interested too, in the preseason games. It's too games. warm. So, so it's, it's it's just, you know, summer is for baseball. I, ne I need you to tell me if I have a problem. Yeah. And, and like, of course I do. You're going to say yes. You know, I was going to say, I you answer, know the answer. Before I want. ask any question, you're yeah. going to say yes. But uh -huh. So my wife's come in a few times, and I've been watching either the replay of the Super Bowl <laughs> or the replay of the Atlanta I game just can picture her or the Minnesota game, and she just kind of looks at me like, again, and there's clearly other things on TV. Are you afraid something's going to happen different than the last couple times? No, you I actually it? kind of appreciate it more now that I yeah. know that nothing different's going to happen. I just enjoy watching it. I have a hard time watching tape sports events. I 
I just keep watching it. I, maybe I just didn't expect it to ever happen. Do you cheer? Happen. Do you get up and jump around, or, or are it's you not more quite calm? as much as I did when it happened the first time? But mm-hmm. I definitely get a little bit excited when there's Philly special. That that's a fun thing to watch. Nice. Speaking it, of the yeah. the Iron Pigs, are gonna have a little Philly special jersey night. Another sweet jersey. You know, I you love, love the, minor the, league the, jerseys. The jerseys and the hats are great, and the jersey that they have that's coming up is the Eagles type jersey. So it's gonna be that that color green. And it's going to have the Iron Pigs in kind of the Eagles graphic. And then it's going to have the actual writing of the Philly special play. On the sleeve. On the jersey. Yeah. And and then I think on the hat, it's going to be under the bill of the hat. It was pretty cool. I I love the the promotion that some of the minor league teams Is there any city that better supports their other teams than Philadelphia does? No. No. I mean, all the teams support each other. It's kind of fun to watch. And Mm -hmm. especially this year, they've all gotten into it with some of the the younger players and we've talked about this before you're seeing that next generation of players come up to this level and start to generate some excitement uh i know you've had some fights on twitter with people on our at high hopes phil's account about attendance in the league we've seen a little tick up this week in in attendance at the phillies games a little more excitement at the especially ballpark. in oakland too well, uh, you're going to ask Pedro about that because I have no idea how they drew 56,000 people does. there. But let's talk about the Phillies a little bit before he joins us. Um, you know, they're 58 and 44. Uh, if I would have told you that they would be two and a half games up on the Braves, and what's your <laughs> ever? How, how about this one? When they had 57 wins before yesterday's great home run derby that they had, they were 57 and 44. Last year, when they had 57 wins, they had 89 losses, more than double what they have now. At that same time yeah. last year when they had 57 wins, they mm-hmm. had 37 wins and 64 losses last year. It's crazy. That, that's where the team stood. And if you look at how that compares to past seasons, the 2008 World Series team mm-hmm. was 54 and 47. Now, by no means am I saying that this is that team. But in terms of the pace that this team's on, they're right now on a pace to win 92 games. Yeah, and as long as I don't think that that will hold out. I just really don't. I think why? you're good. Because I think that the pitching's there. I think the pressure down the stretch is going to be a learning experience for these guys, and I think they're going to lose some games. Like they, the bullpen has just been lights out lately, right. and they've pitched. They can't in, make more errors. In, in my opinion, they've pitched above their level that they've. Oh, I don't. Think about it. Is that, has Arietta pitch, pitched at the Not, level you thought I didn't say the started. I said the bullpen. So, I said the bullpen lately. What about Nishak? Okay, Nish- Nishak's pitching like Nishak. Nishak, I think, has given up he is, but in two games out of the 50-some-odd games that he's pitched in a Phillies uniform. He's given up a run. They've gotten more out of Tommy Hunter and Adam Morgan lately than I think they thought they would get in some of these nah, Well, Tommy Hunter, I think, was supposed to be better than he has been. He has played. But he hasn't been. He hasn't played well. No. So so then he's not playing above. Sir Anthony Dominguez is because nobody's ever heard of him. Is he our closer now? Above. Can we just admit that he's the closer? No, because there's no closer. He's the closer. He, that, Can we stop with this dope positions? That's no. not the way this manager runs the team. I hate positionless baseball. Well, but that but that's what I, we I have now. I can't stand it. Just I, I mean, look, I see the logic of it. The where logic, do you play? On the field. No, no, but <laughs> I, I see the logic of what he's saying, that sometimes the best hitters aren't coming up in the ninth inning, so you use them in the eighth inning. But that's, it doesn't seem to always work out that way. Just like it doesn't, like now when Adam Morgan comes in a game, if he gets the first two guys out, do you think he's going to finish the inning? No. no. He's got no ch- – and it just baffles the mind, especially I think he did it during a doubleheader. Can you question so, it, though? Like, they're yes. 58 and 44, so can you <laughs> can you ask those questions? We are. Of course you can yeah. ask those questions, but 
At what point do you say, I guess he's doing something right? He is doing something right. I, I mean, but but he's remember, also after doing one some game, stuff, people were ready to drive him to the airport and send it, him back out. Winning to does not mean that you can't question what someone does. No, and I have and some that's what, but questions see, that's what about that. Fans <laughs> think that 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 either either you get on the bandwagon and it's all is right because you're winning, or it's the guy's horrible because you're losing. It's never either way. I have some questions about that because I got some concerns about our catchers. Look, I love Alfaro. They got to come up with another name because catching is not what they're I good love at. Alfaro throwing people out at second yeah. base. But I mean, don't run him. First. But I mean, they've got 16 errors on the season from their catcher position. That's seven more than any team in the National League. Right. Again, they're winning these games, making defensive errors, making some of the things that normally trip teams up. And at some point, does that catch up to them? That's my only question. Or, or do they? Or do they finally clean up some of this stuff? See that? that I'm looking at the glass half full and saying. Hey, look, if they're playing this well, playing this bad a defense, imagine if they get their act together Wait, with the defense. Did you just say, as Mr. Grumpy, you're looking at the glass half full? That's right. How did that happen? I have no idea. Like, when did we— I think we just got into the upside down. Did we switch out. roles? <laughs> Normally, I'm the—you think I won't make a call because I'm, like, optimistic and waiting. Do you watch, do you watch Net, Netflix? Occasionally. Do you watch Stranger Things? No. Why do you Because I think we're in the upside down. G- generally, you could just say, no, I don't do anything. I mean, it, yeah, you, you don't binge watch, but you'll binge watch games. No, I don't binge watch at all. Well, why, why, why don't we instead talk to somebody that knows more baseball than both of us combined? Well, we are thrilled to be joined by ESPN's Pedro Gomez. Pedro, how are you doing today? I am well, and I'm a Stranger Things fan, by the way. That's right. I think see, that see? I yeah. think that we're in opposite land because normally Jeff is like the "Hey, you kids, get off my lawn!" grumpy guy, glass half empty, <laughs> and now all of a sudden he's telling me the merits of some of the Phillies' challenges that they're having as they're 58 and 44. So <laughs> it's it's all, but we'll, we'll take it. We're all good with it. Go well, but but here's the thing. So Pedro, one of the first things we want to talk about is because we also often talk about youth sports and you have gotten not only as a reporter but as a dad gotten a first row seat to watching your own kid grow up uh from little league and now playing for the red sox minor league teams what what is it like being the going from being a sports reporter to now being a sports dad and and I'll remind you before you try to put all the positive on it that we found a quote that you said it's nerve wracking. I've covered the game for 35 years at the big league level, but whenever Rio's on the mound, a one and zero count is the end of the world for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'm not going to recant that because it's it's absolutely true. It's it's crazy. First of all, it's just crazy to think that that he was able to pitch at the D1 level at the University of Arizona. And then to get drafted, um, you know, I've covered baseball for 35 years, and I don't think I truly, truly ever understood how difficult it is to be drafted. I mean, there's only 1,200 kids a year that get drafted, and you're counting on every high school senior, every junior college player, either first or second year, plus every four-year school player who's either a junior or a senior. So you're talking, you know, in the tens and tens of thousands of players. And to be one of the 1,200 who's drafted, I, I don't, I know for a fact I never truly could embrace how difficult that is. So even though he was a late round draft pick, 36th round, um, it's still amazing to, to have your name called. So it, it's, it's, it's been a wild ride. It's been surreal in so many ways. 
Um, my wife and I were able to go up to Lowell, Massachusetts, which is where he's playing for the Lowell Spinners. And we were able to watch him about three weeks ago. And it's just, it's just crazy to see him in, in a professional baseball setting, you know, pitching at that level. You've experienced something that, we, as you know, we cover minor league baseball. And, <clears throat> and, and when we go out, we often talk to the players about that big decision where they're drafted, sometimes for the first time, and then they have to make the decision, do they go on to college or do they, do they take that jump and, and go into the draft? As a parent, what is that decision like and, and how, do you, how do you deal with it with your kid? Well, in our, in our case, we didn't have to deal with it. Um, Rio was a late bloomer. He was not drafted out of high school. Um, and he, he actually, <laughs> believe it or not, he actually got cut as a high school senior. Uh, he had been in the program at his high school as a freshman, sophomore, junior. And then as a senior, the coach cut him, uh, which was devastating on our end. But he decided, I'm not going to let one person dictate what I can do in this game. And, and thankfully, he persevered and you know, was able to become a D1 pitcher and later drafted. Um, but I would say to anybody, look, if, you're, if your kid is a high school phenom and is drafted in the first three rounds, I would say, uh, it, it's hard to turn down that kind of money because the money can be life-changing. But if you're drafted after that as a high school senior, I would strongly recommend going to college because, number one, you're getting an education, and number two, you are going to, if you're a good ball player, you're going to only improve your standing in the draft when you're eligible to. Um, and if you don't, well, then that right there is your indication because baseball, and I've had scouts tell me this forever, baseball will tell you your ceiling. Whatever your ceiling is, the game will tell you. You know, if you're, if, like my son's in, in short season A ball right now. Look, if he somehow makes it to high A or double A and all of a sudden his numbers aren't there, well, that's his ceiling. That's as high as he should go. The game will dictate what your ceiling is. But if, you, if you're a high school kid drafted in the 13th, 14th round, 15th round, 23rd round, I mean, I would highly, highly suggest going the college route at that point. We talk a lot about the lessons that sports teaches people. I can only imagine the learning experience that it was for your son to get cut and then persevere and overcome that, and probably the perspective that it gives him now as a player. Can you talk a little bit about that, the that experience and what he learned from that as he goes through, which will lead me into my next question about you following Tim Tebow. <laughs> I, I, I think more than anything, it, it was so – I was so – impressed with his decision to say I'm going to still continue I I think I can still play this game and a lot of times you know a coach cutting a kid is so devastating that the kid just says all right that's it I'm done and um, luckily in our in our case you know there had already been a school that had talked to him Uh, it was a junior college at that point and he was still able to go on and play summer ball after his freshman year of that that year, and that's where he got noticed, and that's where the University of Arizona offer came up. Um, and but he again, had, it was he had played with some good players. He had played with Scott Kingery, right, coming up. So it wasn't. Oh yeah, no, no, no. Um, Scott Kingery, actually, a few Phillies uh, players, because Luke Leftwich, who's at Reading, 
um, was on the same high school team. Scott Kingery was on the opposing high school team, okay. uh, which is also the same school as C.J. Crone's little brother, Chris Crone, who's in the Diamondbacks uh, AA team. Um, Cole Tucker, who is a Pirates AA shortstop, he was on that same team as Scott Kingery. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, and on, the, on our, our side, Tyler Visa, who's been in the Phillies organization for about five years now, he was on the same high school team as my son. Uh, a kid who was a fourth-round draft pick of the Mets three years ago, Colby Woodmancy, out of Arizona State University. So it's a it's a baseball-rich area here that we live in, and uh, you can you can kind of get pushed down the ladder a little bit, but it doesn't mean you're not good enough. It just means that's how good the talent in this area is here in, in the area of Phoenix where we live. And again, he got cut, but he said, I'm not done. Well, we, we sort of have a little bit of that parallel with we saw you in Trenton at the AA All-Star game. You had been following yeah. Tim Tebow for a little bit, who also went through some challenges along the way. Can you talk about what it was like to create that story, following him on the road a little bit, following him into the All-Star game? Obviously, since he suffered the unfortunate injury, but maybe tell our listeners a little bit what you came out of that with. I think, uh, look, I, I had really not spent hardly any time with Tim Tebow um, up until the last month or so uh, because, you know, I don't do a lot of college football. So when he was a star at Florida, I was here and there, but I was on the fringes of covering him. I did not have any one-on-one time with him. And I would say more than anything, I already went into that assignment amazed because I I know how difficult the game of baseball is. And for you to set aside the game for 11 years and all of a sudden pick it up again. And look, he's raw. There's no doubt about that. I'm not saying he's a polished player by any means, but to be able to pick it up and to become an all-star at the double a level is truly amazing. That, that, I mean, when you think about the last 30 years or so, the greatest athlete maybe in, in uh, you could argue in the world was Michael Jordan, and he tried to play baseball and could not. And here's Tim Tebow, who sat out for 11 years and was respectable, respectful. Uh, you know, he was a respectable player, and, and he was somebody that, that other managers in the AA Eastern League said, you know what, this guy's played well enough to be an all-star. And the numbers weren't jaw-dropping, but when you stop and really analyze it, you know, he was hitting, I think, 275 at the All-Star break, and the league average was 251. So he's almost 25 points higher than the league average at that point. And it's a very strong pitcher's league, and he was holding his own. I, I, I still shake my head over what he was able to accomplish after an 11-year layoff from the game because it is a very difficult game. And, you know, he and I were talking, and, and one of the things that – that truly we, we connected on was the fact that it is not an athletic sport. It's a skill level sport. Baseball is a skill sport, which is why you see NFL or NBA players go out to throw out a first pitch and they look like they've never had a baseball or a ball in their hands to be able to throw it. You know, it'll bounce four feet in front of them. It's a skill sport. So it's not an easy sport to play. And uh, it's, it's amazing what Tebow was able to accomplish. And, and hopefully we'll be able to resume it after the injury. Pedro, we had a chance to talk to, you know, we had a press conference at the AA All-Star game. And one of the yeah. things that we talked to, talked to him about was 
sports specialization. And he got rather animated when he was asked about that and saying that it's important to play multi-sports and and kids not to be year-round one sport when they're little. And it it seems to have certainly helped him because I think it develops different muscles, but it also seemed to, to help him with his passion for the game because he wasn't worn out by one sport. What do you think of that? I absolutely 100% agree. I think that, uh, you know, I have kids that, that are aged enough to have recently been playing uh, sports, and you see the burnout with some kids. They reach age 13, 14, and they just said, you know what, I've played this game way too much in my life at this point, and I don't want to play anymore. And I think if you're getting a variety of sports, you're less likely to come to that conclusion to say, that's it, I'm done. And it doesn't matter if it's baseball, hockey, basketball, football, soccer, whatever. I think you need a diversity in your, in your life, in your athletic life. Um, you know, my, my son who pitches in the Red Sox chain, he was also a soccer player growing up. So he, you know, there was a break in the action for him. And, um, and I, I just, I, can't underscore enough how important it is but you get a lot of coaches now who say if you take time off you're not going to have your spot on this team or in this lineup and you're going to hurt yourself and I think the coaches are being very selfish when it comes to that I'm not saying all of them but there certainly are enough that will throw that scare tactic out to a kid and the kid isn't mature enough to say you know what I'll take my chances realizing that he's good enough to play on his terms, but the coach doesn't want to lose that, that, that player, that star player, let's say, for, for any amount of time. Well, I, we could ask you questions about that all day because it's a pet issue of ours that we're fascinated by, but we wanted to get a little bit to sort of the state of the game. You, you've traveled around the minor leagues where they've experimented with basically what's called a shot clock almost and and tried to Mm -hmm. improve the pace of play the other night we had a 16 inning game that went like five and a half hours um what's your thought on on some of the conversations around the pace of play with the game the the shift jeff is a personal non-fan of the shift at least the partial shift where they all go to one side of the field what's your thoughts on some of the conversations that are going on right now about how to maybe change and improve the game and speed it up a little bit well i think the game you know is losing some fan appeal because of the pace you have to truly be a lover of the game to put up with the the non-action that's going on so to speak uh, within the game right now. And if you're just a casual fan and the sport is trying to draw you in, I think it's really difficult right now to draw in a casual fan, which is why I think that they're experimenting at the minor league level with all of these things. And they've implemented a, a pitch clock at the big league level, but you don't really see it enforced ever. Um, but, but, you know, starting a 10th inning of a game in the minors with a runner on second, to get the game over with, not to, to have 16, 17 inning games. I don't know that they'll ever be able to implement these things at the big league level, um, but you should never say never because I don't think we ever thought they would even implement them at the minor league level five years ago. And sure enough, here we are with, with a bunch of rules changes. And it's a sport that really, unlike the other major sports, 
has had so few rules changes over the course of the last century. Um, it's, it's, it's not a sport that has had to do that, but it may be forced into doing some things because you just see that, that casual fans are not being drawn into the game. Attendance figures are down again this season. And these are things that, that definitely are putting fear into the, the mucky mucks on Park Avenue in New York, whose job it is is to promote the game and to make sure that the game is healthy, um, both financially as well as on the field. And I'm not sure it's at that place right now. I think the shift... I think the launch angle and the importance that every club is putting on that uh, has, has really undercut. I mean, when we were growing up, everything you always heard was put the ball in play. Something good can happen. Well, now it's hit the ball up in the air. Maybe you'll hit a home run or maybe you'll strike out. And we're good with either one. I saw a and stat so that, the, many, that the ball's There's so only, many strikeouts now. Yeah, the ball's only put in play in baseball once every, like, three minutes and 47 seconds or something like that. And I just, yeah, I mean, you watch the attention span on people. You watch any other sport, yeah. you know, they'll, 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 they'll have a bunch of shots in basketball. They'll, they'll run a bunch of plays in football. It just, I wonder how baseball keeps up in a society that doesn't really have that attention span at this point, if you said, if they don't love the game. Yeah, and that's where I think they're having a, the biggest difficulty in drawing in a casual fan to the sport i mean those of us that love the game we're going to watch it no matter what you know the three of us will watch it doesn't matter to us how long a game takes or anything like that but i you know you my neighbors don't watch you know my next door neighbor always laughs at me about baseball like oh they're, they're still playing that sport are you kidding me you know <laughs> Uh, just, Shoot, we you know, just went to big... Pittsburgh for a doubleheader and stayed for the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, but we we are not the issue. Um, it's the know, casual it's the fan. Dwindling, yeah, it's the dwindling fan base that won't even go to a game or television numbers that are down across the board and things like that. That's that's where the issue is with the sport and, and its overall health. And so... it's it's not in a great space right now. So do you do you accept the lot of this is the way the game is, or do you do something drastic? Like one of the things I've heard it, people talk about lately is the seven inning game instead of a nine inning game. That's drastic. Yeah, I mean, I, obviously I've heard that, and uh, I I can't imagine that ever being implemented at the big league level. But the mere fact that it's even being mentioned. Is, is almost a scary thought. And that's, uh, I mean, it tells you where the game is that they are just grasping at almost any idea now to see if they can get, if it gets traction. And that's, that's, that's an issue that the sport has to deal with right now. And, you know, those guys get paid a lot of money to try to come up with the right answer. So hopefully they will. Well, we've uh, been paying close attention to the Phillies. Obviously, it's exciting after last night's home run derby in Cincinnati. They're 58 and 44. Uh, I mean, we, we were saying earlier on pace to win 92 games. What is the perception around the league of this Phillies team and the front office in terms of are they, you know, they didn't make the move for Machada. You can debate it, good or bad. They haven't made some of the other moves. Hamels goes to the Cubs. Where is this team standing in the eyes of Major League Baseball right now in the media? 
um, they've opened up a lot of eyes, and um, they they are a good young nucleus who are coming together at the right time. And I think more than anything, when you talk to people, you know, whether it be scouts or, or managers on, on other clubs, the thing that they've really noticed more than anything is the fact that the Phillies have a good one-two punch at the top of the rotation. And I know that Arietta has been spotty here and there, but he still is a proven September and October pitcher. So you, you've got, you know, Nola, who is considered one of the probably the five best pitchers in the entire National League um, at the top of the rotation. And that's great and everything, but you have to have what I call, you know, the game two starter in a playoff series. And if Jake Arrieta is your game two starter, well, then you've at least got a chance. You've got a solid chance to be able to do something. You know, Ace goes up against Ace in a game one short series. Anything can happen, and you know you don't know who's going to show up. John Lester against an Aaron Nola, even though Lester's older, you know he's still capable of throwing that three hits, three hits over seven innings, no runs. So you, but you'll take your chances with your guy in a game one. It's the game two situation where you kind of separate yourself in a series, and having a veteran like Arietta is certainly something that other clubs around the. the, the baseball have taken notice and said okay that's where the Phillies could absolutely separate themselves in a postseason series it's why the Indians and the Astros in the American League are considered so strong because their rotations go so deep um so if you're the you know you you could be built for 162 or you can be built for a three out of five or a four out of seven series and there's definitely people I've talked to in the game that say the Red Sox could be in trouble in a short series because once you get past sale, it's it's anything can happen at that point. You could lose two games in a row, be down, and have to bring sale back on short rest, and, and it's not a good situation. Whereas the Indians can throw Trevor Bauer in a game two after Corey Kluber. Um, you know, the Astros are even more rich. They can throw Justin Verlander in a game one, Garrett Cole in a game two, Charlie Morton in a game three. That's where you win a playoff series. That scares me. <laughs> so, so is <laughs> that's is, the other league? Does does the is the perception around, especially in the National League, that the Phillies should stand bat, uh, or or is there something that the Phillies do need if it's not pitching? And do you think, or is the perception that Matt Clintac and his crew are going to be the kind of guys that are aggressive at the deadline, or are they going to be patient? In the for the long they have, term, they're they're probably look they're probably ahead of schedule right now, and why throw a panic button and give away some prospects that you may need in a year or two? That's not to say they won't do something, but I don't know that it'll be a major major move. Although having said that, I will say that in the National League, unlike the American League, there is definitely a path to the World Series right now. Um, there's no super team in the National League that you sit down and go, wow, how will that team ever lose a playoff series? So there's definitely a path to the World Series in the National League that probably doesn't exist in the American League with the better, stronger clubs that they have. So if you're the Phillies, yeah, you are ahead of schedule, but you've added some good pieces last winter with a Jake Arrieta, with a Carlos Santana, veterans who know how to win in September and October. And maybe you just say, you know what, let's see if some of these uh, veterans that we added to this young 
pot of kids can can help catapult us to win a playoff series or two. But there's definitely a path to the World Series. And again, I like the Phillies because they do have that game two starter. And I know, like I said, the numbers aren't like over the top, but you do know that Jake Arrieta is not afraid of the bright lights in September or October. Well, we can't thank you enough for joining us and helping us break it all down today. We'd love to have you back as uh, we go forward down that path, hopefully towards playoff baseball here in Philly. Uh, absolutely. I don't know where I'll be at yet, but uh, I usually cover National League playoffs, so well, hopefully. We'll make sure to keep in touch, and we really appreciate you coming on. Thanks so much, Peter. You have a great day. All right, guys. Take care. Take it easy. So, Jeff, he, uh, there's a path. Are you excited? I'm a little happy right now. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I feel better about it. I was already Mr. Glass, glass Half Seriously, Full Seriously, your glass is full. This, and is, is this is just over, turning into a great day. Your glass is overflowing yeah. now. We're going we're gonna to take a break so you can take a drink and relax a little bit. Calm down. When we come back, we'll talk a little minor league baseball and have a little fun. Stick with us. Are you looking for a lifeline? Verizon New Jersey Shares Communication Lifeline is a statewide nonprofit that provides assistance to individuals and families living in New Jersey, those who are in need of temporary help in paying their communication and energy bills. Want to know how to apply? All you need to do is call Verizon New Jersey Shares at 1-888-337-3339 or visit on the web at www.newjerseyshares.org. It's quick and easy to sign up, but remember, you must be a Verizon residential landline customer to apply for eligible programs. That's Verizon New Jersey Shares, keeping the lines of communication open for you and your family. Taking you into the weekend with the latest news in the world of sports. With the biggest names on and off the field. It's the heart of sports each and every Friday at 4 p.m. on 610 ESPN. With former players, reporters, and commentators like Adam Schefter, John Runyon, Keith Jones, Trey Thomas, and Doug Glanville, Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen cover the agony and ecstasy of fandom while weaving in conversations about the impact of sports on society. That's the heart of sports, Fridays at 4 p.m. Welcome back to the High Hopes Phillies Minor League Rundown on 610 ESPN. I'm Jason Springer here in studio with Jeff Cohen. All right, Jeff, we previewed it a little bit uh, at the start of the show, but we went out to Reading last weekend to do a few more interviews, and we were there Saturday. We got a surprise. On Friday. Thank you, Ryan. Ryan Lennox of uh, 610 fame here in studio. Uh, throughout the first pitch at the Reading Phillies baseball Wrong. game. Uh, Wrong. Jeff. He did not throw Okay, Jeff, the why don't you pitch. explain what happened with Ryan so, Lennox? So at least my eyes told me that what happened is he was standing in front of the mound. So keep in mind, he's not the regular 60 feet. And he's in front of the mound with a, a mascot with a giant baseball head on. And he, he throws the pitch. No, no body motion. No putting any real effort into it. And then you see the catcher pick the ball up. <laughs> <laughs> from the dirt, <laughs> like rolled it in. <laughs> we're gonna. We're and, and and the moral of of that story is practice uh, first. <laughs> uh, practice first, and be careful what you wish for, <laughs> because for some reason, as I said before, there's something about as Pedro Gomez said, there are professional athletes who who can do almost anything, death defying. stuff things that they can do with their bodies and athleticism and they, still can't and they can't throw the ball the 60 feet 
So Lennox so, is going to walk around saying he can do all those death-defying things but can't throw the ball out. I noticed a lot of tweets about <laughs> it before the pitch. I didn't notice any I didn't see any pitch. pictures come out <laughs> after. I didn't see any video come out. And as much as we're having fun with it, if if you miss the pregame, the Reading uh, Fightings do a pregame show on. Which the airs after us. You right? can listen and, at 530. And, and they had it. They were planning for this all week. They they seemed very excited about the possibility of what might happen, and it happened. And they handled it live, and, and they had as much fun as I've heard two guys on the air. We'll see. Have. Maybe we'll invite Lennox in studio early next week, and we'll play the audio and let him respond. Oh, because I don't want to do that to him. But I don't want to give him thing. not the chance to respond. So if what's we're gonna, he gonna say? Well, I I'd love to see. What is he gonna say? <laughs> My arm really does hurt from writing the day before. I mean, what from signing autographs? Does or, it or, does or, it even matter? At no. This point? So why are you giving him the chance? I just enjoyed the fact that like the first thing that was said to us when we arrived at the stadium is, "Did you hear about Lennox's first pitch?" <laughs> <laughs> like it wasn't. Did you see the game last night? Which players do you want to interview? It was, did you see him roll the first pitch? Yeah, everybody seemed to be in a, in a, in a really good mood, despite the fact that it was raining when we got there, which we we did also get to, to talk to some of the players and, and some coaches. And we were lucky enough, as one of them, is to talk about a guy who had recently been promoted, which is Austin Listy, who's a Dallas Baptist University, which, by the way, You'll see when when he was asked about it, even he said he never heard of it before. <laughs> so yeah. let, let's play the interview. We'll we are the- here in Reading today with Austin Listy. How are you doing today, Austin? I'm good. How are y'all? Uh, we cannot complain. It's uh, another beautiful day at the ballpark, even if there's a chance of showers. What's it like for you to come to the ballpark on a day when uh, you're not sure if you're going to get a game in with the weather like this? You still have to prepare like you're going to play, correct? Oh yeah, yeah. You don't. Your mindset doesn't change. You know, you can't control the weather, so you just show up and. You know, you get ready to play no matter what happens. And if it does get canceled, then then you can kind of – that's when you can check out. But you can't check out until that point. You're here in Reading now, but you've made your way here through Texas. What, what's it been like uh, for you as your path along the way to make it to, to this level of baseball? Uh, well, it's been fun. I don't know. I mean, it's uh, – yeah, I did come all the way from Texas. Uh, but – I mean, that doesn't really mean anything. You know, you just, you, you, you're happy to get drafted by anyone. And that's kind of the fun part about going to the draft is you don't know where you're going to end up if you get drafted, right? So it was, uh, there's 30 chances from teams all over the country. So it's pretty cool. So where were you when you got drafted? I was in my dad's living room. Yeah. And were, yeah. You, were you watching the draft or was there a point at which you said, all right, I'm turning it off and someone will call me and tell me when it's on? Well, I, I knew I wasn't going day one. Right. So I didn't even watch, you know, the, MLB Network or anything on that day. Day two, I watched, um, and then I, I didn't get picked up on day two. So then day three, I watched just because, you know, it was my senior year of college. If I got drafted, I wanted to see it. If not, then, you know, so what? But at least I wanted to see it happen. Yeah, they call you, all that stuff. But, uh, yeah, we had the computer on. We had it plugged into the TV. So we, we sat there and watched it. And I got a call before it came on the screen. So... I knew before we saw it, which was cool. Before you before you got drafted, you decided out of high school to go to Dallas Baptist. Mm-hmm. How did for people out east? Yeah, who probably haven't heard of Dallas Baptist. Right. How did you end up there? Well, people out east, I didn't hear about it either. You know, I'm from Texas. I li- I grew up four hours from Dallas Baptist. I had no idea it was a school. Uh, it's pretty weird. I was so I went to a small high school and. 
about an hour northeast of Houston. It's in Huffman. And uh, my high school coach, it was maybe my sophomore year, junior year, I don't remember what year it was, was he came up to me and said, hey, I got some letters for you. I was like, all right, cool. Who, who are they from? Like, well, it's Dallas Baptist University. And I'm like, I don't know who that is. I've never heard of them. And he was like, they're really good. You should give them a chance. And I'm like, Coach, Coach DeBerry. His name's Tom DeBerry. I said, I said DeBerry, I don't, I'm not going to, I don't, I've never heard of them. Who are they? I don't know anything about them. I don't keep the letters. I don't want them. <laughs> and he was like, dude, give them a chance. And I'm like, nah, it's okay, Coach. Don't worry about it. I'm just, I'm not going to read them. And he was like, all right. Well, I go on a visit to a school to – I go to Texas Christian University on a visit. I go to TCU. Well, in that regional – and DBU at the time had been recruiting me, following me over the summers and stuff, so I, I kind of remember the name, but I didn't pay him any attention. And then when I was on my visit at TCU, they were in the regional, and they were playing DBU. They were – TCU was hosting the regional. Well, the winner of this game goes to Super Regionals. And I remember I, I, was, I was talking to – TCU guys, and I'm like, who y'all playing? Like, oh, we're playing DBU, Dallas Baptist. I'm like, that name sounds really familiar. They're like, yeah, you know, there's about 20 minutes from here. They're a pretty good program, whatever. I'm like, all right. Well, DBU beats them. I'm like, well, damn, maybe I should give them a chance. <laughs> so I ended up – I took my visit to DBU, and I fell in love right away. Um, I mean, the campus is gorgeous. The uh, baseball program is, you know, I view it second to none. It's uh, – it was probably the best decision I could have made was going to DBU. You know, uh, Coach Dan Heefner runs a program there that is – it's uh, it's special to be a part of. You know, it's uh, not only do, do you develop as a baseball player, but more importantly you develop as a man and develop as a Christian, which is hugely important in my life and then everyone who goes there. Um, so going there was definitely the best decision of my life. Should we get that out of the rain? Yeah, don't worry about it. Okay. Uh, uh, so yeah. So had DBU not beaten TCU that day, would you have gone there? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Life may have been a little bit different for you. Hey, the Lord works in mysterious ways, you know. So, uh, you know, I thank him every day for all the blessings I have in my life. So without him, I would have nothing. And, you know, maybe that was that was just one of those things. It just He wanted it to happen. So while you were there, you also happened to have a couple teammates that have also made their way to the Phillies organization mm -hmm. at times. Yeah. Uh, Derek Hall and yep. Dave Martinelli. Yep. Yep. Did you guys I, all play together? We did. So I played with, with Marty, Dave Martinelli. Um, I was a sophomore, and he came in as a freshman. And then Derek came in in 2000, and he transferred in from Cochise Junior College out of Arizona. He came in as a junior. So him and Martinelli are the same age, same year. And then I'm a year older than them. But I left school for a year, left baseball. Um, and then when I came back to DBU in 2016, my, I guess technically it would be a redshirt junior year, but I didn't redshirt. It was just my junior year. Um, but I was a year older, and that's when I met Derek because he, he came in and I came back. So I played with Derek for one year at DBU, and I played with Martinelli for two years at DBU. And then in 2016, they both get drafted by the Phillies. I didn't get drafted. Oh, and we also had Camden Duzenag get drafted by the Phillies that year too, our yeah. shortstop. Yeah. But he didn't sign. He went back to DBU. Okay. So they drafted three guys that year from DBU, and then the next year they drafted me. 
And then this year they drafted Eric White, which um, he was at DBU for two years, and he transferred out to go play somewhere else, and they got picked up. So he's, I mean, he's, once a Patriot, always a Patriot. So they've drafted a lot of DBU guys in the past couple of years. And then they just signed Ryan Goins, and he's a DBU guy. He was in the big leagues for a while with Toronto, and uh, he was with Kansas City this year, and the Phillies just picked him up. So it's pretty cool. They they seem to like us. So you got to play with Derek for one year at DBU, but you've yep. actually got to play with him for longer with the Phillies organization, right? Uh, you've kind of. You've kind of yeah. overlapped at each level of, of the Phillies organization. Right. So, yeah, I got drafted last year, and then I went to Williamsport, and I played in 22 games or whatever it was, and I got moved up to Lakewood, which is where Martinelli and Derek were. And that's where uh, we kind of set in, right? Well, when I got drafted, they both texted me. I was like, dude, that's awesome. Welcome to the family. I'm like, you know, we're already family, obviously. We went to college together, but welcome to the Philly family. And I get moved up to Lakewood, and all three of us on a day off, we're at the beach in New Jersey. And we're sitting out in the water, and we're like, dude, how crazy is this? I was like, we're all college teammates, and we all get drafted by the same professional team in two different drafts, and then we're playing for the same affiliate in New Jersey at a beach talking about it. And we're like, that's not, that doesn't happen often to people. You know, it's very unique, very cool. To, to experience that with a couple of your best friends, you know? Right. And uh, and then now this year, uh, Martinelli's not playing anymore, uh, but Derek and I, we broke camp in Clearwater together. We're in Reading together. So it's um, to have a familiar face, to have a friend, and uh, someone with you, at, you know, throughout the, the grind of the minor leagues is, just makes it more comforting to both of us. Now, Derek beat you up here by a couple weeks. Yeah, he did. And, and, and when he got up here, we actually talked to him the day after he got up here. Oh, okay. And he, he said he was pretty excited because he said he got to sleep in a bed. For the first time. He said he was <laughs> <laughs> Heck, yeah. We were, we, uh, so so we were, you par- were you part of this house that had the, that, <laughs> that had yeah. five or six people he sleeping in He was my roommate. <laughs> yeah, he was my roommate. We shared the master room. <laughs> Heck, yeah. We both, we just, you know, there's no reason to go buy a mattress when, it, you know, he just... I mean, we Derek and I both grew up outdoorsy, right? I'm a Texas uh-huh. boy from country. I, don't, I, I just messed that up. I'm a country boy from Texas, and right. he, he's a he's an outdoorsman from Arizona, from mm-hmm. from the very rural area of, area of Arizona. So we both, I mean, we've slept on the ground, we slept on air mattresses. We've done it doesn't matter, and with how fickle the minor league system is, you never know where you're going to be. So there's no reason to go buy a mattress and. Hazley lived with us there too, and but he's from Orlando, so he had his own bed. You know, his parents just drove it up. He wasn't prepared he was, for the air mattress. No, he he's like, you know what? I'm, I live an hour from here. I'm I'm gonna have my own bed. So, uh, but yeah, we had air mattresses. Uh, we had air mattresses, and uh, you know, I, honestly, I liked it. I got very comfortable on it. Uh-huh. Uh And then now I have my own bed here. Uh, but yeah, it was pretty funny. Have you thought about what it would be like to take the next steps together as well since you've taken these steps together? Uh, you know, we've we've never really talked about it. We try not to get too far ahead. You know, we try to be where our feet are at. We try to just kind of do what we can do day in and day out and be the best that we can be. And uh, we try not to worry about the future. You know, we can't control, we can't control uh, what goes on. And uh, we just try to control what we can control, you know. So we don't really look ahead and say, you know what, we could be in the big leagues together or we, or we could be in AAA together. We, you know, we just enjoy the moment. We enjoy playing together right now here in Reading. 
and uh, and just try to try to be the best we can be and pr- improve every day. So, so there's there's really two ways to get here, at least if you're from the United States, which is you either go straight out of high school, or or you go out of college. Mm-hmm. You went out of college. You you spent four years in college, right? Right. Did you, did you think that was beneficial to you to go to college first, as opposed to jump right out of high school to play? Oh, 100 percent. You know, uh, out of high school, I did think I was going to get drafted, um, and I wanted to, and I probably would have signed honestly out of high school, but I didn't get drafted. Um, and looking back at it, it was the best thing that probably could have happened to me. Um, my maturity level back then in high school was nowhere near it need to be to play professionally at this level um going to college matured me in so many ways i mean i I grew as a man uh i grew as a baseball player my my uh baseball sense improved my my discipline improved just tremendously and that goes to the program at dvu you know dan hefter prepares you for life and uh not just baseball but what he the lessons you learn help you in baseball and and I'm very thankful that I went there and uh you know again God knew what he was doing you know I didn't get drafted out of high school which was the best thing I think that could happen so now that you're here do they ask you what your own walk-up music's going to be or do they pick it for you oh no we pick it all right so as, as a good Texas country boy what's your music it's uh rodeo by Garth Brooks all right yeah. So you, you mentioned rodeo, and uh, I understand that you wanted to be something before you wanted to be a baseball player. You wanted to be a bull rider? That's right. Yeah, when I was a little kid, it's funny you bring that up because my aunt just posted a uh, something on Facebook about golden retrievers because that's all she ever had. But when I was a little kid, me and my cousin, we wanted to be bull riders. Uh, Darren's my cousin. So what we would do is we'd get on our golden retriever, Gus, and we'd, 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 pretend like we're, we'd pretend like we're strapping on our... Poor Gus. Yeah, I mean, he's a big golden retriever. We'd pretend like we're strapping How on our... How old were you? Uh, I was probably six, seven, eight, you know, in that age range. That's a patient yeah. dog right there. Right. I mean, he just, he loved to fetch, right? Uh-huh. So we'd get there and we'd, I don't know if you've ever seen bull riding, but yeah. they they get their hand in there with that glove on. They wrap up the, wrap it up right there so you don't, so you have something to hold on to. Well, we'd pretend like we were doing that on his collar. We'd... Pretend we're wrapping our arms up, we put on a glove. And the other one, my so like if I was on Gus, then Darren would throw a ball as far as he could. And Gus would take off and we had to we'd have to stay on, right? And Gus never complained about it. I mean we probably hurt that dog's back, probably shortened his life expectancy, but as far as you know he never complained about it. He never complained about it. He just loved it. And we loved it. It was the most fun I ever had was just riding Gus around, chasing trying to stay on as long as we could. Yeah. But yeah, I wanted to be a bull rider. Did you ever get to do it? Because I know they have a junior rodeo circuit. Yeah, no, I didn't. Uh, baseball took over my life yeah. at a very young age. So. I assume they put that in your contract that you can't go bull riding. Right, yeah, probably. <laughs> I don't, they didn't know about that. Uh, Sorry for blowing up your spot there. Yeah. No, it's okay. They don't care. I'm, I wouldn't do it now. No, no, heck no. Imagine he's on the injury report. <laughs> yeah. Bull riding accident. Right, yeah. yeah. And we run cattle back home, so I'm like, they might actually question me now about mm-hmm. it. Don't be jumping on them cows out there. <laughs> well, the Phillies have had some experience with that because remember Roy Oswald? Didn't yep. he get in a tractor accident? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, Former Houston Astro. You talk about sort of the maturity that you had in college and you, you had a, a year off. You, you've got a family now. How's that giving you perspective in terms of playing this game as a game but also realizing what life has around it for you? 
Yeah, you know, I, I met my wife in college. As you mentioned, I have a family now. I did meet my wife at DBU, another blessing of going there. Um, she played volleyball there, So, and now we have a son. We had a son this offseason in December. Um, his name's Weston. And what a gift that is, right? I mean, you know, it's, it's tough because they're not out here with me. Um, and she's taking care of the business back home. You know, she's raising the kids. She has a job. Um, of course, we have a great support system in her family and my family. It's just all the help we could ever want. Uh, but, yeah, you know, it's, it is tough being out here playing. I think it's harder on her than it is on me because um, she's doing – I mean, she, her workload is unbelievable. Right? Well, she's such a trooper, and she supports me 100%. She's never once complained about me playing and never once she, – she actually pushes me to be better, which is awesome to have in a wife. Um, and I think her sports background – helps with that you know she gets it she gets the grind she gets the dream um and she knows this is you know this is a opportunity that we can't pass up no matter what so it's been it's been unbelievable to have her by my side through this um i know this is my first full year but you know um hopefully next year that we do get to live together so we're working on something like that so it'll be better so does it change your perspective on playing the game we've talked to other players who after they have kids the perspective on the game goes from you're playing the game that you love to you're playing the game that you love, but you're also doing it to put food on the table. Right. Uh, yes and no. I would say I wouldn't say it really changed my perspective too much, but I would definitely say that is in my mind a little bit as far as well. Now I have more of a reason to make it, or now there's more of a reason to to do my best and work harder. But at the same time, if I'm if I'm saying I need to work harder, then obviously I'm not working hard enough before I had a kid, right? So then there's something wrong, going on wrong when people say that, I feel like. If they say, oh, well, now I have more of a reason to work hard, well, how are you not already working as hard as you can? How are you not already trying to achieve this goal before you had a family? Mm-hmm. Clearly, there's something going on where you need to reevaluate things before you have a family. If you're not working your hardest, then, then you know, what are you doing, right? So, yeah. right, so I'm... I wouldn't say it changed my work ethic or changed my mentality. It's I still have to go out there and compete, no matter if I have a family or not. You know, the chips are going to fall how they're going to fall. So I wouldn't say it changed my perspective too much. It would just be more icing on the cake if I do make it. Well, Austin, thank you so much. We're getting a high sign. So uh, yeah, we get, we got to go let you sign some autographs. Let me ask you this question: What's it like to that people want your autograph now? It's awesome. You know, it's uh, I think what I think when people what a lot of people take for granted is the attention that you get. You know, a lot of these players, I feel like sometimes they're like, I don't feel like signing autographs. I don't want to. It's like, and I'll tell them, like, hey, look, guys, like, this is probably one of those things you're going to miss when your career is over. People thrive, people wanting your attention or, you know, the attention you have. They're, they're, they're wanting you to change their life in some way. You know, sign an autograph, make, take a picture, have it, make their kid's day or whatever. You're not going to have that when your career is over. You're going to miss it. So, you know, I try to enjoy as much as I can and just and just uh, be thankful that I'm in a in a position where people want my autograph, you know. Uh, you know, I think it's uh, it's an honor and it, it's humbled me a ton and I you know, I don't take it for granted. I love every second of it. Well, we wish you the best of luck with everything and thank you so much for your time today. All right. Good thank luck. you. Thanks, Thanks guys. Appreciate it. Hey Jeff, could he have any better perspective on life and baseball and I mean, we we've been we continue to be impressed by the maturity of, of this Phillies farm system. You know, you can talk balls and strikes, whatever, but it, as people, 
the the stories that you get out of them and how they come across is very impressive. Everything about them, from the coaches to the players to the staff, it just seems like they have a well-rounded organization. Yeah, and, they, and this is this is what they produce. Now, I I did feel bad for the golden retriever. And I, and I didn't expect to get that story, by the way. I had no idea. <laughs> All I saw was that he was interested in bull riding. Right. So I had no idea we were going to get the Gus the bull riding story. <laughs> but, I mean, like, it's, it's, it's amazing how humbling minor league baseball is. I mean, these guys were stars in their areas, and he's sleeping on an air mattress. Yep. You know, again, it, I just, you point out it's not the glitz and glamour you know, he talks about what it's like to to be asked to sign autographs and how you have to appreciate it because they may not want it later. Right. Just just really good. Enjo- enjoying the moment. And I think that part part of the grind that is minor league baseball and major league baseball is having to learn to enjoy the moment as opposed to always worrying about the future or the past. Speaking of enjoying the moment, we've got about a minute and a half left. Roman Quinn is going to enjoy the moment. I warned you. He's coming. He's, He's going to he- be here. And I, I think that this is better than almost any trade that they're going to make. I, I truly believe... You're very high on this. This. Is, a, this is a big, big if. Big, huge if. You're, if he stays healthy. but I need another well, glass for how much water you have overflowing today uh, in your look, optimism. Having speed off the bench is huge. Having a guy that is by far the best center fielder in their entire system, and that includes Oduble Herrera, is, is a great. he's a great defensive replacement, and he's got pop off the bat. So so how is this a downside? This is I didn't say it was a downside. Yeah, I just it, think that you're finding out more of an upside. Well, I had I had to watch Trevor Plouffe the last two weeks. Hey, so he got a game-winning home run. Off of an outfielder. Why do you have to bring details into well, a conversation, look, okay? You, you were, look, if, if you could just let me make points <laughs> and not worry about whether they're relevant or bad I, in fact, Nobody would be, be happier off. that that game was over <laughs> and that they won it than me, but... but Let's not go overboard that Trevor Plouffe hit a home run got, off of a center fielder. you got 20 fielder. seconds to tell me who's the star of the minor league system right now. Hmm. Who do you want me to choose? I think it's Adonis Medina. Adonis you Medina. You mean the guy they wouldn't give up in the deal for Machado? Or what we're going to, but it didn't yeah, happen. Yeah, he had 12 strikeouts in a game the other day. He's pitching again tonight, so if you got the MILB app, uh, you could probably watch a little bit of it. Well, we will be watching. Thank you, everybody, for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night as we help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.